Hello. 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 Am I on? More or less. I think, I think we're on. You're listening to the Board Game Snobs podcast, a ridiculous podcast with ridiculous hosts that discuss ridiculous things. And any mention of board games is purely coincidental. And so, without further ado, and with a heavy dollop of shame and embarrassment on my part, I give you the Board Game Snobs. And welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. This is Jerry. This is Enrique. I, I, thought it was... I paused to look at you. I'm sorry, it, it, I, you guys got me messed up now. I, it's usually you, then Gabi, then me. Or is it you, me, and then Gabi? I've forgotten the dynamic You're already. You're so meta. This is Gabi, host of the show. Thanks for listening. Jerry, back to you. Thanks for that. Wow. He gave it back to you. That's rare. It's so rare. What have you did, been doing? What have I been doing? Huh? What have you been doing I've been in the working. past week? I've been working what have you hard. Been, you've been, I know you've been working, but what have you been doing with your life? Doing with my life? I've been sleeping away my life right now. I know, but is there with anything the you're trying to accomplish? T- trying to accomplish? Yes. I've been doing some stuff recently. Outsmart you're reading a brain. Anxious brain. Outsmart your anxious brain. Simple ways to beat the worry trick. Uh, what does that mean? This is by Dr. David E. Carbonell. He's a PhD that specializes in worry and anxiety. And this book has been quite fascinating in opening my mind to basically... You have the first three pages dog-eared. Basically, as far as you've gotten... And I've been underlining... I mean, yeah, it has, because I just came in like yesterday... Everything you know about how to treat anxiety is wrong. Okay. That's a great tagline. <laughs> That's all it is. That's not what he says. But basically, it's called a counterintuitive problem. And he talks about how if your puppy gets off the leash, mm-hmm. what is your intuitive thing to do? Get him back on the leash. And to do that, you do what? You walk up to the puppy and you Wrong. Put- wrong. Okay. Okay, that's intuitive. You don't have a puppy. So you're falling into your intuition. Okay. But to fix the problem, you actually need to be counterintuitive, which that's, you know, if my cat, I love my cat, or if I had a dog and they got off a leash, you're, you want to go chase it down. Who leashes their cat? Weird there people. Are kitty, there are kitty leashes. Let the cats go. <laughs> free the Let cats. them be free. Free the kitties. Liberation for the cats. <laughs> Liberation. Bring the drums out. Viva la gato. <laughs> El gato loco. Okay. So, what you want to do is chase down the animals. But he's saying that's just illustration. Actually, what you should do is generally run the opposite direction. And then if your puppy notices, then they usually want to chase you. Because as soon as you start chasing the puppy, they think it's a game. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. We're getting really lost in the weeds on this whole puppy analogy thing. But basically, he's just showing how 
when it comes to anxiety, people have all these things they do to treat their anxiety, which is like, have someone help them, avoid these things, blah, blah, blah. None of it, you're just harming yourself. And he says, uh, uh, the key thing, I thought this was interesting. He said, in the same way people's characteristic efforts to stop anxiety tend to produce the opposite result, strengthening anxiety symptoms rather than relieving them, which is the whole chasing the puppy thing. But he's talking about how something, I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously, but I want to. Not on the podcast, anyway. Yeah, join our Patreon. Gabby's <laughs> going to do the, the He's going to read the book it's for our really Patreon. It's really interesting because he talks about, okay, here's the thing. When we're faced with situations, our brain tends to just put us in danger. You're in danger. Fear. Usually that's from death. He says in death, you have three responses. Fight, flight, or freeze. You have to recognize with anxiety, you're, you're calculating the, everything you face is like deadly danger. But none of those things help you. Fight, flight, or freeze doesn't help you. You have to recognize, is it danger or is it just discomfort? With the vast majority of things, it's just discomfort. I'm on a phone call for my job, experiencing anxiety because this person's yelling at me. I'm freaking out. Am I in danger? Are they going to find me and kill me? No. Could be. But I'm uncomfortable because this person's making me uncomfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. So then how should I react to that? Find out where they live. (laughs) Oh, I know exactly where they live because it's all on my computer. But anyway, he goes, it's just in the first couple of chapters. It's interesting. So basically what you're saying is you're a wuss and you think that everything is about to kill you. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. But he also talks about all these, uh, I forget the terminology, but there's objects and people that you rely upon. Because you can objectify people. No. I when, love objectifying people. When you rely upon these things, they provide you comfort in your brain, but actually they're harming you. Food. Because support. Support behaviors, support people, and support objects. So, for instance, he talks about this lady. She's incredibly terrified of dying in a car crash. So, she only will drive to work if her husband is following her. Has she ever died in a car crash? Has she ever gotten in an accident? No. She just fears it. But she knows her husband's behind her in the car behind her. Is that helping her? No, she's completely relied upon her husband who's behind her in the car. There's a guy he talks about being a diver. He says this guy has like extreme anxiety, but he like tapes his what's a what's the Xanax or something that's mm-hmm. for anxiety. Yeah. He like tapes a bottle of anx- uh, Xanax in a Ziploc bag to his ankle when he free dives. He's claustrophobic. That's what it was. Extreme claustrophobia. Can't How's he going to take that Xanax? Obviously, the physics of him taking Xanax, deep sea diving, you can't do it. But just him seeing that object strapped to his ankle gives him comfort. But that's not helping through him through his anxiety. That's just bolstering the... Basically, it's like not recognizing, I have a problem, and this is not helping me face that problem. Mm-hmm. This is an object for me to bypass the problem. Right. And so it support people, support objects. And that's like literally chapter one. That's as far as I've gotten so far. But it's good. It's very interesting. And it was interesting. I like the thing about danger or discomfort. I do too, because that explains a lot. Because I have spent the vast portion of my adult life in some form of mortal danger. Like literally almost getting killed doing things. Correct. And perhaps that's why I don't ever view anything that could be of 
discomfort that big of a deal because <laughs> it's not that big a deal to you because it's right. it's because uh, i can quantify the thing of well this is making me compared to real danger yes, this is nothing this is nothing i can do this because this is not going into a burden building or diving or something of that nature whereas someone like me who has avoided danger of any sort all of my life when i face the slightest uncomfortable situation I'm scared to death. I'm pretty sure I said all this back like a hundred episodes oh, yeah. ago. I know you did. So what you need to do is just do dangerous things. Go skydiving. Something I like went. that. Yeah. Rocky okay. Mountain climbing. We could do a musical oh, episode of the podcast. No, okay. seven seconds with a bull named Fu Manchu. I'm serious. That's probably what you need to do. I literally. What dangerous. What he says. Dr. Cornball. <laughs> Dr. Cornball. Rip David Dave David. <laughs> Such a masculine name. I love that name. <laughs> David A. Carbonell. Carbonell, that's what I said. He says not to boil it down to this one phrase because he says it really doesn't help or is effective, but it is basically face your fears. Right. Like it's not avoid your fears, do something to distraction, bad, avoidance, bad. Literally, he's like, you just got to lean into it. Uh-huh. Or there's another doctor he mentions, like from the 60s that did studies. And it's, they call it like the float method. Just like, basically, it's like, just chill out. It's not going to be that bad. It's going to end soon. But people with anxiety, like, you don't, we don't think that way. It's like, no, I got to do something. I got to do something to avoid this. I got to, I got to get out of this situation. But it's not going to be that bad. No. Just, you're not going to die. Right. And you, yes, I know you have literally like did this when I've called you in moments of anxiety before. You're like, it's okay. This is not, I've literally just created scenarios in my brain of me like telling somebody, I don't want to talk to this person because I'm afraid they're going to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this is going to be horrendous. And you're like, that's absolutely absurd. Mm -hmm. They're never going to react that way. That's the absolute worst case scenario. And the worst case scenarios, Almost 99% of the time never happened. And that's a lot of this book, but I'm, I'm just on chapter one. That's but it. so far, so good. There you go. That in conjunction with the fact that I got on medicine a few weeks ago. Oh, that's right. You yeah. text me about that. Yeah. You said you're, I didn't know you got on medicine. I'm on it. I can't tell you what it is because it's not yet prescribed in the past and the future, but I'm on it All at right. this point in time. There you okay. go. Oh, oh, so you're not on it currently. But no, I'm on it at this the time of this publishing, but I'm not at the time of this recording. Ah, so we, <laughs> if you had what to time get, ter- time you, paradox is this? If you had to guess, how do you think it's going? <laughs> I think it's going really good. All right, <laughs> so you can listen to this podcast later. Why don't you just do this as an exercise? Just tell yourself now. Well, so that when later you're listening to this and it's already in your system, how it's going? It's going really good. You feel great. It's going really good. You have no anxiety. And like even he even talked about the positive affirmation stuff. He's like, yeah. no, I don't yeah. do positive affirmations. Nah, I do the same thing. I'm all in on Doctor David. You're a loser. David. This is what <laughs> you should get this guy's number and do that. <laughs> Call him. Like what about Bob David? <laughs> is this David A. Carbonell? I read That's your, the only way I can say that. I read, name. I read your book about I'll David. He had another book that I was going to buy, and of course, I stumbled across this on Instagram, but it's called The Worry Trick, 
Uh, and he's wrote like three books on all this. It's his special specialization. And I got inspired to read this because I know Jerry reads all these like science type books or psychological type books. I do. And I was like, you know what? Well, I'm just going to read this and see. I'm curious if I could beat my anxiety without medicine. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's yeah. The medicine, all the medicine is doing is just adjusting your your chemicals in your brain, which you can do that naturally, just through it's all it, learned it, behavior, unless it's something that's right. a genetic. Yeah, like like you learned to be anxious. You weren't right. You can be an anxious person, but you've developed habits that have made you even more so. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah. have fed my anxiety right tremendously. Tremendous. Buffet. A smorgasbord. A smorgasbord. Here you go, anxiety. Yeah, yeah, Eat yeah. all you want. So, I mean, that's- and here's this monster, this incredible Hulk. David. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, so that's what I've been up to. Well, that's interesting. That's good because anxiety's always fascinated me because I find that the people who are anxious, it's it's very easy if you don't have anxiety to look at them and go, why? What? what <laughs> the, right. to, to take the logical route of like, just do this or do that. Like, why are you worried about this thing? And it's hard to understand. It's just a, it's a physiological response to a situation that it doesn't make sense. You have to create the anxiety. You have to go this thing, well, this thing, and this person will react this way, and this will what happen. And you have to make everything a little bit bigger. And then when you do actually experience any type of actual anxiety, where there is a a potential for you to now be to, for you now to experience the anxiety that you have dread to have the actual event take place. You avoid it with a passion. Whereas that's always that that's where you gain your strength from yes. is that when somebody yells at you when you're in traffic and you feel like, Oh, I've never had this happen. This guy, this guy called mm-hmm. me this. It's like, it panics you. But if you live in New York and they do it every day, eventually it's just it's you just, you're, used just you're used to it. Right. It's a constant thing. It's like I don't care. And that that's that's good. Like you're able to control your anxiety after that. And that's why he's saying, like, if you avoid it, you're like if you if you're like, Oh, well, if I just stay home, I never face it. Well, yeah, if you never face it, then you know you're just reinforcing a negative thought process. It's like, oh, I'm not experiencing anxiety because I'm not going outside. Well, not going outside is not good for you. Like, you need to go out and face it. The lady here said her name was Claire Weeks, an Australian physician who was the first person to write helpfully to a worldwide audience of anxiety sufferers back in the 1960s. She used the metaphor float with or through your anxiety as opposed to swim against the current of anxiety. Her advice was, that you make no effort against worry and anxiety. You simply allow the environment to support you just as one does in floating upon a body of water. This says, he goes through a few of these scenarios. He says they're trying to protect themselves from a danger that doesn't exist at that time and place. And that's why they're feeling more afraid. So, yeah, it's just you're connecting these dots and building a structure of anxiety that doesn't exist. And it's super difficult to realize that unless you're willing to realize that, like you have to, we've, we've mentioned before about the ability to be introspective, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Where you can look at yourself. It's hard to look at yourself objectively. It's almost impossible, but thankfully 
I don't know if it's thankfully. I have friends that point out stuff all the time, like Jerry and Enrico. I do it all the time. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I, 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 but I still feel like I'm somewhat objective in looking myself. That you can realize these things, you can recognize I have these issues, and I'm not obviously. I, everyone has their issues. Some worse than others. I know my anxiety is not that bad. I have it pretty good. But there are others that have, like, I mean, people that can't leave their homes. Mm -hmm. I'm not like that. I mean, there are people that have severe, severe issues. But you're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) May I I point out that you now have gotten a job where you don't leave the house for five (laughs) days straight. And you also sold your vehicle so that you can't leave. Like me and you're on your way. <laughs> like me and Jerry had like a long discussion about this on the way back home. It's like we were just kind of worried about you in the future. Oh, really? In when the was this? The other time we went to Hansa Tatanica, we're going back, and Enrique Suda got out in the car. He says, "I can't believe he sold his truck." I was like, "Yeah, he sold his truck. How's he going to leave?" I was like, "Well, just drive the other car." He said, "But he can't leave," and he's like, "I know. He's at home." He doesn't leave. I don't, I don't and, need to leave. And and it, you know how much shade there's being thrown by Enrique saying he can't leave. This is a person <laughs> who sits yeah, in his my- house and doesn't leave for days on yes, end. I know. The 22 year How old are you? Uh 20 He don't even know. 3 right now. Right now. Even he but doesn't even know. How, how old tomorrow? Do you know? Uh in a couple of weeks 24. Yeah, uh, by the time this releases. 24 years old. Good for you. Wise but he was man. worried about and but I, I I get the point that you're both making about the shutting yourself in, shutting yourself off from from anxiety and how that can really cripple you in the long run. I think it's fascinating that you being introspective enough to realize you got a problem, but then doing something about it. What comes from this is being able to stick to something. That's the key. So recognizing you have an issue is one thing. Doing something about it, another thing. Sticking to it, a whole other thing. Yeah, that's that comes from the you know that's that's where you go against the grain because a lot of people can recognize they have a problem or even enjoy the brief dopamine dump that they get from trying to address it. It's the chronic staying with it, making a deep-seated change in the way that they react to things. It's very difficult. Day in, day out. I, I would say, I don't know if it, I don't know if this is genetic, whatever you want to call it. What would you call a child? Because there are children. Some children, they call, they're rambunctious and outgoing. Da, 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 da. I was a kid that hid behind my mama's dress. It's a weak okay. bloodline. Maybe it's a weak bloodline. Yeah, yeah. But that was me. I was a quote unquote shy child. As mm-hmm. a child, I mm-hmm. was shy. Mm-hmm. At the age of, I can remember literally probably five or six years old, the most formulative years of your life, being scared and shy. And when people come up to me, I, I hid by, I literally hid behind mom. I feel like that's the beginnings of anxiety. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like you, yeah. Cause you're, you're, you're supposed to get your children out into the world. Like the right. whole idea is that you're forcing them to do things that are uncomfortable. And I did. I went to school. I went to preschool. I was like twice. Call- <laughs> I, was, I was in, they called it, uh, actually, they call it, and this is very strange. This is in Idabel, Oklahoma. Hey, y'all. Okay. I went to a class called four year olds. <laughs> that was it. Four year olds. Not pre K. 
four we called old. it. I remember it's called Four Year Olds. Oh, okay. You go to Four Year Olds. It's a weird name. And I went to school. Were you five? We're going. <laughs> Nine, <laughs> six. I don't know. And then kindergarten, and then I went. I mean, I went to public school my whole life. You went to three years of pregame, <laughs> pre preseason before you ever started school. It's like we have to prepare like them before guy, we throw me into the jungle. You had orientation for oh. a long time. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. This boy still re- eating crayons. I can I can remember uh, very significantly in my mind when I was in four year olds. My parents not coming on a t- in a timely manner to pick me up, and me crying and crying and crying and crying, thinking I'd been abandoned, and finally they showed up. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh, but that's that's a funny picture. And then I can remember, skip kindergarten. I don't remember kindergarten. I don't know what happened in those years. I'm sure I ate lots of cookies and maybe crapped my pants a time or two. I don't know. But at some time in, when I was in the first grade, we put out a play in which it was the Georgie Porgy pudding and pie ate some something and made them cry. Kiss the girls and made them cry. He ate nothing. That's a Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> movie, isn't it? Or, or a Morgan Freeman. Kiss the girls. Kiss the girls. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Georgie Porgy pudding and pie Kiss the girls and made them cry. Never heard that. Really? Never. That's a new one. Maybe yeah. It was an Ida Bell thing. That's, that's an Ida Bell thing. Weird. So I remember being on a bus I had to pee extremely badly, urinated all over myself. On the bus. On the bus, on in my jeans, and like had to get out and leave. And like all the kids knew I had urinated on myself, mm-hmm. scarred forever. Yeah. I remember okay. just yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like like basically everything I remember slightly like there's some I remember when we did this that no, I remember two things. My parents forgetting me and me peeing on myself. Uh-huh. And then fast forward to 18 years old. Like, that's I might, that's from my memory. So, I, I don't know. I just was wondering. I was not one. Yeah, I'm wondering. So, there's children that are, I don't know if you're naturally outgoing or shy. Mm-hmm. Or if that's something that is well, from child well, I'm sure. infantry. Yeah, I'm sure that, like, you, you get. There's certain kids that are more predisposed being introverted. introverted. I was not. I've been very introverted. Introverted. And uh, just, I mean, yeah, the environment makes a big difference and how things are addressed when bad things like that happen. Like if you experience something uncomfortable or something of that nature and you're reinforced, you know, it's 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 different. Right. Even as a small child, I again, well, you don't want to flash back. Maybe I do remember a few more things than I realize. I need to get on the couch with a therapist. I remember in Piggly Wiggly. That's a grocery store. Mm hmm. Walking through the aisles, generally I would get sidetracked doing these little scratch. I was doing like some scratch offs for some root beer. I don't know how that was back then, but this is like in the eighties. I do a scratch off. They're like, "Oh, you're gonna get a free root beer if you get like three diagonal or something." But then, like when I get done with that, Mama would have went shopping in the Piggly Wiggly, and I would just like freak out if I didn't see her immediately, and like I'd be searching aisle by aisle for Mama, and just like crying because I couldn't see Mama immediately. I was young, like probably six or seven or eight, <laughs> just like crying because I just like didn't see her like immediately. Just see, this is this is this. Yes, this is all normal. But no, it's not no, normal. It's, it's not, not normal. normal. This is like, like, I, I don't think seven? I should have been that terrified no, as a child. No, I mean it's 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 natural for the be that terrified a few times, but for that to be a continual issue. 
It is an issue to this day. If my wife doesn't call me like in a certain period of time, I just assume she's dead in a ditch. Okay, right. well that's not normal. But yes. the the six seven, it's it's kind of normal. When doesn't now, let me know she's made it home safe within a certain within the the time it takes to get from my home to her home, I assume she's dead in a ditch, and I'm freaking out and ready to drive the car out, which I have done on occasion, multiple times. Yeah, this should be a thing that well, there's a good practice for you. She doesn't. She does not have to text you that she made it home. That would be a great. I mean, like, there's what well, what will happen if she didn't? That's text a support you? person. Yeah, like she's what, supporting me. She's by supp- telling me. And the fact is, is that there's no reason to conclude. I just had to wait for three weeks later when the body's rotten in the trailer. Well, what would you? Unless she was dead the whole time. But what can you do about it? Go out there. Go to her home and say, are you safe? Okay, I see you're physically safe with no, my own No, no, eyes. no, I'm saying the worst case scenario, you can do nothing about. Oh, obviously. So why worry about it? There's nothing you can do exactly. about it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, what's, that's what a normal person would think. Yes. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. <sighs> it's hard to think that way. So you just, you realize this is a crush that you're using. So this is my question to you as a person that's presently on the medicine Right. The time of this publishing. Which I'm sure it's going well. But in the future to be on the medicine. <laughs> does that alleviate some of that? Well, yeah. The medicine? Well, no. I mean, it, it, it tones or it is down. It, it tones it down. I'm just trying to think, what part is it? Will medicine just heal me? Or what part of it is it just active work on my part to it, fix it, the brain? It, it, okay, it, so they've done studies on, like, depression. I, don't, I can't speak to anxiety. But they've done studies on depression. And they use, like, some... Metric from like one to 40 and from one being just completely a depressed, like nothing that would be remotely depression and 40 being horrifically depressed. On that scale, medicine drops you down by one, meaning if you're a 38, you're a 37. Wow. It does not fix. So people who take medication for depression or things of that nature, it is not meant to cure you, quote unquote. It, it's enough to have some positive change for which you then can make changes. It, so it, it so to put it in terms, your anxiety relief will be one percent the medication, and the rest will be you. So no, the medication will not resolve your. Sounds anxiety. like a lost cause because yeah. it, it's it, just more it, of a controlling agent. Yeah, it's enough to give you a kick in the right direction, and then you make changes to deal with it. Because if you. If you don't, it, you'll just it'll just be the same. I mean, it, it, it'll just wane eventually. It's basically just tricky. About wax, yes, on and off. John, John Wax Wayne, John Wax Wayne. <laughs> you missed John Wayne. I got it. I missed it. Lil, Kevin, Lil, oh, Lil Wayne. I can't believe you went to John Wax. John Wax. I was thinking John Wick. I was like, I can't get this joke. What are you talking about? John Wick does have some wax, I'm sure. John Wayne. Like any other candle. Wayne. Wax and Wayne. Wick and Wayne. <laughs> Wick and wax. Wick and wax. Wild. Wild John I'm sorry. It took me a second. It just dropped off for a second. A little. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so no, to answer your question, you're going to have to do, yes, you, you have to make. So the me- medicine just won't fix, has not fixed me. It, it's no, it won't. It, it's just going it, like, to. It will give a positive 
momentum in that direction. And until allows you, to until you can naturally just provide whatever. Yeah, you have to make changes for it. Yeah. See, that's, and that's the same way with weight loss. I was on Fentermine. It was it's speed. The governor? <laughs> the senator? Huh? Fentermine? Pretty sure that's a senator that had a stroke recently. Keep going. That's so, random. No, that's my, I know who you're talking about. No. Fentermine is a drug. Oh, okay. Go you ahead. know what it is. You're being facetious. <laughs> I'm being facetious. <laughs> Continue. So, I know who you're talking about. He stood up there for like an, a whole minute and didn't blink. No. Nobody <laughs> else. Keep going. Okay. Anyway, so. Ryan I, Maxwell's laughing. I got a. I got a. Ryan Maxwell is a treasure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say, he's been checking on me for weight loss and lots of other things. He's been checking on you for weight loss? He's got, he's got some... He's been strong, making you weigh he has in. strong opinions. Like, and he will like confront somebody real quick. That's good. That's Cracks what, me up. That's what you need. But anyway... You don't listen to me. No, it's true. So, Fentermine... I got, I got on Fentermine back in 2016. What do you mean? To lose weight. I felt really good on this stuff. Yes, math. Felt really good. <laughs> I lost... 90 pounds on it. 90? Jeez. Quick, quickly. That's a person. But it did not a small... change my brain because I relied strictly upon the medicine. Now, I was jogging. I was jogging like 10 miles a day. Yeah. Literally. Oh, I'm not joking. I was teeing it up. I was physically fit. I was jogging. That meth in your system. Five, yes. Man was high on them drugs. But then it wore off. It right. waned. It waned. And John waned on me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, Pilgrim. You got to start learning how to lose weight on your own. It's like, good luck. Yeah. And it, 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 it finally, the effects of it wore off. I kept going back to this doctor. He's a little sus. If ask me. It's okay. weird. No, he's a, he's a weird doctor. I'll tell you about it someday. He like dole these pills to me out of his pocket of his lab coat. <laughs> Dr. Nick. Yes. He would pull the pills out of the bottle and hand them to it's me. Like, like, right. I didn't go to a pharmacy. He, like, had him in. It was weird. <laughs> Where was this at? Valley in Oklahoma. What oh, no this? wonder. His office very was strange. next to the Pruitt's groceries. Pretty much. Yeah, literally. It's very strange. Anyway, that helped me. But then I didn't I didn't change myself. Yes. I relied 100% on the medicine. Gained all of my weight back. Plus, um, thus, that's where I'm at today. I've had people uh, reach out, love that phrase, reach out to me, Ryan Maxwell, and uh, touch you. Richard Payne, both of them have said, hey, we're here for you, we'll help you lose some weight. Ryan Ryan wrote me like a manifesto on losing weight, because he had to lose some weight, even though he's pretty much fit himself. He's very fit. Richard Payne. His is calves are amazing. Very, very similar to my it's the age, forearms size, me, and shape. Man. His forearms? Yeah, like they're Ryan's freaking, forearms. That's how he bowls so good. Yeah, man. Like, they're freaking Bowl huge. Over with he them does, forearms. He does have. I like, look at mine. Mine's just you like have a very, arm. Yeah, your, your forearms, forearms are, are flaccid. very flaccid. You have flaccid forearms. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm trying His to build This is very taut. Taut. Taut, firm forearms. Not yeah. flaccid ones. Like and this. I haven't seen Richard Simpson in a long time. Who? I'm talking about Richard Payne. He's Richard Payne. How dare you? Oh, that He's Richard an Payne. active member of yes, our- Yes, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Dick. Family. <laughs> I know. I know. Rick. Yeah. Not Tricky Dick. I don't know if Tricky Dick even listens anymore. You know, it's like some of these guys, unless you get on their podcast and you go back and forth and they tune you out after a while. I would go on Richard's podcast in a heartbeat. I would go on his podcast in a heartbeat, but- He's incredibly hard to 
he's writing sync up now. schedules. He's writing with. now. He's a writer. He's a writer. I've read some of his written a writer. Kinesia. He's doing good. Uh, he's he's fine. He liked uh, games that we didn't like, and he writes about them in a way that's like maybe I missed something. But then I look at the game and play it again. I'm like, nope. But he's that good of a writer. He's Makes good. You question convincing yourself. you. He's convincing. Keep going. Uh, but anyway, so pills, medicine, got to change yourself. Pills won't fix you. You got to change your brain. That's where I'm at. That's good. Weight loss wise, I'm on Weight Watchers. Anxiety wise, I'm reading books. You're I'm taking an, medicine. You're on Anxiety Watchers. <laughs> I'm Anxiety Watchers. <laughs> that would be a great club. <laughs> a bunch of anxious people getting together, together, try to talk each other down. <laughs> Call your buddy. Hey, man, I'm having this really bad panic attack. I'm thinking that maybe someone's out to get me. Well, maybe they are. <laughs> someone's out to get me, too. Well, yeah, oh, like on Weight Watchers, you used, to have to like, get, you used to get up and weigh in front of everybody. Wow. That's not great. That was accountability. Really? Oh. Well, that's some strong stuff. That's like some Jenny Craig. Yeah. I never, yeah. It was old school. They don't do that anymore. Nowadays, you can just download the app and you ain't got to go nowhere. Yeah, that's true. I doubt they have- I say I doubt. They probably do because in-person meetings are supposed to be way more beneficial. Blah, oh, yeah, because you got people feeding off each other. No pun intended. But they're trying to- <laughs> Cannibals? Cannibals. Oh, no. Bring the big, the large ones all in the same place. We'll get them all at once. They can't outrun us. <laughs> that was awful. That was an awful joke, and I'm sad I made it. Because we don't fat shame on this channel. Yeah, you do. We do. Channel. Yeah, I, yeah. This is the this is the gateway. <laughs> <laughs> the gateway. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. You haven't heard it ever. What do you mean? Are you making any positive changes in your life? I'm trying to. What are you doing? I'm working out a little bit. Just trying. You've to- been talking about you working out. Yeah, I I have. A little bit. I I haven't been recently because nah. of all the work I've been can doing. Can I? Can I? Can I? Um, mm. say something so sure. that you don't get disappointed. You can't make your hands bigger. Obviously, no. I can. No, however make, much you make, work them out. Now they might a little bit. Well, like yeah. Even a, even a friend like sent me a video on how to make your hand bigger, and it's just I'm not sure you can. A hamburger. Ham ham bigger. Oh, I'm ha- interested there for a second. See? <laughs> I, if I could donate a phalange bone to you that, <laughs> that they could extend your hands, I'd do it. You could I bet a, you I could like lengthen my a hand. A phalangeoplasty. But it'd be very painful and very expensive. Yes, it'd be very expensive to extend it. I to would wide. loan you a few bones out of my hand. That's how much I love you. I'd give you one of the 213 I, bones. To be I all honest, I kind of like my little hands because I can get into play, some places. Tight spot. You stick your hand in that toaster that one time. Well, yeah. What I like is that anytime here's if you hold something in your hand it, and take a picture of it, it looks much bigger. Yeah. Like if you ever took pictures of fish that you'd caught, you could have caught like a perch, <laughs> but it looked like a bass. <laughs> You're just holding it. If you it ever, would have to be like a close up video. Though, well, to I'm be just honest. saying, there's benefits to it. Yeah. Plus, you would probably be you'd probably be an amazing surgeon if you had the dexterity to go with that because you Sadly, can hands. I I do not fit into little portholes. I'm holes. too shaky for the dexterity. I have I have tremors, not the the graboids. <laughs> graboids, not the graboids, not the Kevin Bacon graboids. Oh, that's a good one. But graboids. I, I thought they were graploids. No, Grab, graboids. Graboids grabbed you. Graboids. Oids. I say grap, like they grapple with no. you. Oids. Don't you have to be really. Uh, what are hemorrhoids? I, mean, hem- I know what they are. 
Can women get hemorrhoids? <laughs> Heroids? Heroidal. Heroidal. <laughs> Stop. On hero- a heroidal Herrera. <laughs> He's a great dog host. Remember that time he opened Al Capone's safe and it wasn't nothing in it? Uh, it was empty. Empty. Oh, God. You don't remember that. Disappointment. I don't, I, I don't know any. Anyways, I'm sorry, but you are working out and that's great. Your yeah. hands will never get bigger. Obviously not. But I applaud you. Either way. <laughs> it's so adorable to see you clap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can still do this with my tiny hand. That's fun. All right. Well, I have been playing. Do you have anything else to discuss? I'm making Um, positive changes. What are you doing, Jerry? I'm awesome. Yeah. Besides you being awesome, just being more awesome. Being more awesome. I'm. I'm winning. How's your health? How's your heart? How's your kidneys? Great. I. You were supposed to go to the doctor and get some diagnoses. I'm doing great. (laughs) You're doing great. (laughs) Doing great. There's no reason to worry. He's still working on his temperament. I'm I'm serious. This is great. He's still working on the temperament part. He's getting there. Actually, he seems very more like relaxed here lately. He hasn't yelled at me recently. Uh, And there's a good reason for that. So here's the thing. Sometimes it's best, you know, when things you you grab, grapoid with with your own mortality. And you realize there's some things you can't change. So you just change what you can. And my goal here recently is to not to be so, you know. Alive. No, just so alive. My goal has been to be not so alive. I'm preparing for death. No, it's just not to be so frustrated and angry and just quick. I'm calming down. I'm chilling out. I'm trying not to be so sharp. And I can't. It's it's incredibly difficult because I have such deep heat seated Everything you have an opinion about everything. I, and that's not just an opinion; it's that everything irritates me. Yeah, that too. Absolutely. Maybe that can shorten your mortality. Every your lifespan. So, I also noticed that you become very irritated when you also are very are well versed in something as well. Yes, all this I do. Stuff. I get very oh. irritated. Yeah, because uh, about I get irritated too. I know, but your you don't you don't know your your irritation is more emotional. Tell me about it. It's more emotional oh, than me. your irritation is not as Where justified. Do you justified, like, that's mine. Justified. Who be, am I? Right? What's his name? If Raylan, Raylan. If I had the capacity to make a conversation very just heated, I would get you heated quite quickly because you're very. Emo- you could not. I I could not because I'm incapable. Unless of you it. question my. Uh, uh, skills at explaining a game, specifically Mombasa. Jerry could do that. You did no, that. You did that. You caused I didn't me to do freak that. out. Yeah, you did. Back. You don't remember that? A, I don't remember a lot of things. That was the first time I got very angry at you because I had learned this game. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Read the. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. In air quotes, no. you learned it. Thus, the rage. So I learned this game on Basa. Mm-hmm. We I laid it out. I set it upon the table, put the effort forth to put all the pieces out there, invited my friends over okay. for a nice game of Mombasa. And thought, here we I go. We were going to colonize Africa. <laughs> Pretty much. And I was like, okay, here's Enrique and Jerry. I want to discuss this game with them and explain the rules. And like you proceeded to taunt me at my learning of the rules. Knowing that you have never learned a game nor taught any rules to anyone at the time we 
played this game. Which made it all that, the more funny. And I, I cursed don't, you. I don't. I remember. I cursed you. It was shocking. What did I do? You just taunted you him. You just taunted me. But you taunted him in a and way for which I would time. have. And it was great. Yes. It was, yes, it was, it was my, my anxiety called upon me to curse the I heavens did, upon you. I'm just sitting I over there. You don't remember that. I'm just that. sitting over there yeah, reading no, my no, hands. I was very angry with you. Not like, not like, oh, I'm kind of upset. I was angry with I you. was sitting in the corner going, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the student has become the master. <laughs> Feel the hate running through your veins. Strike him down. <laughs> Strike him down. <laughs> Australian <laughs> Palpatine. And this was, what, the first or second game of It's the first. We never uh, played it. It was the first because I was it. teaching you the rules of the game. Watch and your you, friends perish. You, you, yeah, you. Uh, it was great. I was. You said something. I forgot. Titular and, moment. It was. It was amazing. And it was like I think it was the first time like I got enraged in front of you and Jerry. It was amazing. It was, I, like, it was like a turning point in our relationship. And that because, gave me all that I needed to know <laughs> from here on out. I can act foolish. <laughs> it's like, oh, so this is where we're at. <laughs> It's like you know, the, it's like when you're dating some time somebody, and the first time you fart in front of them, it's like ah, yes. <laughs> ah this door has been opened. It shall never close. <laughs> Let it flow. For <laughs> feel the power. Feel the power of the dark side. <laughs> and then that's it. And that one is, and I remember watching it happen and thinking, yes. I was upset and very angry. I well, did not like you in that moment. I cursed you. And then uh, Jerry was. I think I then remember. Then Jerry took the side of, oh, he's the good guy. Oh, why are we all so upset? I know. I remember calming everybody down and then taking the rule book and I think I remember the cursing part. I remember coming. Everybody's like, this, there's no need to be. This everybody. I've got the. It's like I went Dr. Phil the whole time. I'm thinking, he's like, I caused this. I caused this. This is my like, Cash me outside. This is this my was fault. When I was a little bit younger, like still in my this teens. Was like 2016. <laughs> It was in like it was in the early days. I it's still before, had the little round table. It was before the podcast. Yeah, the yeah. little round table with it's the 2015, green belt. 2015, 2016. Yeah, yeah, I remember 15, 16. Yeah, so yeah. It, so it's seven years ago. I was still very malleable then. One score, one score, one score. Oh, yes, you were still. <laughs> Did you just say you were very malleable? Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I was I was easily massaged into was, different no, forms. He's Based quite taut. I was very him, malleable. I, I was with him most of the time. I was oh, trying yeah. to influence, influence you. you. I was yeah. trying to make you into like, a better person. Whatever Jerry said, you did. And Jerry's like, oh, I cracked jokes yeah. with this guy. And, and where would like, you be? Where would you be without me? Where would both of you be without Nowhere. You would not. I'd be right here, actually. Yeah, you'd be a hermit. Podcasting be a hermit. hermit. I'm still kind of a hermit. You'd be more hermited. hermited. You'd be Hermit the Frog. Hermit the Frog. <laughs> if it weren't for me. Uh, How long it would... This mm. episode has meandered so much. I feel like to tie this into board gaming, because I have seen a lot of people on Facebook, because I'm, you know, I like Facebook. People going on about their anxiety and not having a gaming group and that our anxiety and meeting new people holding them back from playing games. I mentioned that in a previous podcast. Yeah, yeah, I and, remember. Yeah, and some of it. And it's kind of here's the thing with this topic. I'm kind of over it. Really? 
at the same time, I live it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Because literally, notice I didn't say literally, literally, almost all young folks, I would say if you're born from the 90s or 2000s onward, it's like they all have anxiety issues. Everybody has anxiety issues or depression or something. Like everybody has something. And so it's like, okay, acknowledge that. Everybody's got issues. So then, do you acknowledge those and talk about those? Because everybody does. It's all the time. Oh, I've got anxiety. Oh, yes, your life is tough. I understand my life is tough. Oh, I deal with this. I deal with that. And sometimes it can kind of be like a competition of, oh, who's got it the worse off? Mm-hmm. And I hate that. Like, I, I acknowledge my anxiety is, I don't like it, but it's not near as bad as other people. I get that. I'm not trying to outperform anybody anxiety-wise on here. There's people with, like, severe need of medicine and doctors and treatment anxiety. But, also, there are folks that don't like to talk about it. And they don't want to mention it. And they don't want to talk about it because they want to keep it light and fun and airy on their board game podcast. But yet, everybody deals with it. So, it's like, are you trying to have a podcast? That distracts from it? My doctor. Cornball. Dr. David. David. Hey, Cornball says, don't do that. You're just, you're, you're, that's intuitive. Mm -hmm. You need to be counterintuitive. Don't avoid the problem. Deal with the problem. That's what I've learned. So in dealing with the problem, I'm going to talk about it. We've talked about it several times on this podcast, and we've always gotten positive response from people that have said, Yeah, depression, anxiety. These are things almost everyone deals with these days. I feel like, and 100% I believe this, board gaming is a support object. And the fact that you get around a bunch of your friends, you're playing board games to distract yourself from your family issues, from your personal issues, from your life issues. It can be. I'm not saying it is 100% for everybody. But I'm saying, oh, I don't want to deal with my problems. Oh, let's all play a board game. Oh, I'm distracting myself. Okay, that's fine. But Dr. David says, "Mm, if you really have these issues, don't play board games. Face your issues. Unless you face your issues, you're not going to be able to overcome them. Me playing a board game with y'all, as much as I love having y'all over and playing a board game to distract myself for a few hours is not going to fix me. Probably not. It's not going... It it fixes me for the time y'all are here until you leave, and then I'm back with my anxiety. Right. Mm -hmm. So to fix the issue requires medicine and alcohol. We should switch to playing RPGs. Or <laughs> you play a very anxious orc. <laughs> uh, you're, you're the anxious, anxious, I'm the anxious no, orc, Ollie. The anxious, I'm, anxious or- I'm the ogre. Anxious orc, Ollie. No, we we can't get him into oh, RPGs. I don't think we should go in there. I know. Yeah, he can't do RPGs. We no. tried to do that one, and it was awful. <laughs> he couldn't take it seriously because it was too scary. It was too nerve wracking. Too nerve wracking. It was. But it, no, I'm serious. It but I be- get your point that there are people that that. They they focus on and, and I'm 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 pleased to hear you say this, even though you've you've read one chapter of this book and you're an expert on it, you've got it lined up. But it's like you've got people who are who do focus on the anxiety and what it causes 
And it seems like they focus on the problem and they never make any progress past it. Like it, it, it becomes part of their identity rather right. than something that is, I don't want to say fixable, but something that can be managed that makes sense. Yes. Uh, you know, I think of it like diabetes. It's something you can manage to, to, to an degree. If you, if you don't manage it, then of course it gets, there's complications from that. And so, yeah, I, I think that it's an important thing and that board games can, be, it can be a crutch. It can be something that you utilize to deal with the anxiety, but it can also be something very beneficial because there's tons of people who just lack the ability to make the appropriate introductions to have people to play board games with. Like they don't go to conventions or things of that nature because of that anxiety. And I think that it can be a interesting way of addressing that anxiousness for people who are at that level. Much like how you often talk about how conventions you're, you know, you don't play with anybody else. I no. think I'm just saying that would be an, a, a nice way of you're being my able support to, person at cons, correct? And to branch out from that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I I, I am your service animal. I'm <laughs> you're my emotional support, Jerry. <laughs> I'm the emotional support, Jerry. I should wear a vest. <laughs> now I'm going to get you. As, now I'm going to get. Get you a shirt that just says support person. Support person. Emotional I support, Jerry. Uh, oh, let Sir Meeple print us up a shirt that says emotional support, Jerry. There you go. Get on it. Support go. Meeple. Support Meeple. <laughs> I am your support Meeple. Hashtag support Meeple. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. You're right. Like, I, I, in those situations, because of anxiety issues, it's like, no, I don't branch out and talk to people <clears throat> that I share a hobby. I thoroughly 100% enjoy mm-hmm. playing games. I know I like. I should be able to walk up to them in this situation, especially at a con, and say, oh, "That's a nice game. I enjoy that game. I agree with you." And I, I'll point out one other thing. It is not an attack, but it's also just a sign of something that perhaps someone with a little more, you know, licensure when it comes to psychological analyzing. I don't know. Maybe you should talk to Dan Hughes about this. But the the thing for which you do when you go, everybody's anxious, everybody's depressed. Everybody uh-huh. has these things. You do know that's not correct. In what way? What do you mean? Factually. Like well, I mean, I know not everyone. No, 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 but no. But I'm going to say a no, large... No, 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 you think that you are the norm. You don't think so? No, that is not the case. The world would not run. If there's a hundred million of you, what happens? Things come to a screeching halt because nobody can go outside and they're they're naturally introverts. So so it's it's natural whenever we have something of this nature that we go, I'm the norm. Everybody has anxiety. Everybody has depression. Everybody feels this way. I'm not this is this the norm. And it not only McDonald. Right. It discounts your it discounts the severity of the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess just be based on like browsing social media. Well, that's again, social media is not an accurate. <clears throat> right. I mean, that that's I know it's a lie for for the ninety percent and the eighty percent, eighty percent. Well, it is like it, it is like eighty percent of it's bots. So you're just seeing what you put in, and the other half of it's just lies. And so it's like you, you don't know what people are putting out there. But from a clinical standpoint, like it cannot, that simply cannot be the case. And I would almost say, and this may be, uh, this is a weird thing to say. I almost think that some people put like anxiety and oppression out there as like something, I don't know how to say this, but like 
cool to be strived for. And I think people get like on that train. Does that make sense? Well, it, it can be like a social contagion. Like it's, it's like, oh, this, like, oh, yeah, I suffer. I don't know. That's it, it, a weird thing to say, <laughs> but I feel that way because it's like I see these people and I'm like, I don't know. That's a weird thing to say. It, it is no. It, it, you're the quantified. It's the fact that some people will take certain aspects, whether it be anxiety, depression, whatever these things might be, or, and like they make autism. Them, they make them a part of their personality. Like it. It like it's. It's like that joke I used to yes. always say about you know. There's some people that have beards, and beards are their personality. Yes. Like that's like that's you know they they their their truck with the 20 inch lift you know rims and all that that's their personality. There's ways of people who want to identify, and they're so they strive to be able to have a label to say that I'm this and I'm this and this. And some of these labels can be negative. They understand that this anxiousness, depression, whatever it might be, these are all labels that help fill out who they truly are. Rather than going a bit deeper and realizing these aren't necessarily these aren't necessarily just labels that you're giving yourself. These aren't things that you use to fill out your personality. This isn't you, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You are not an anxious person. You just have anxiety. There is a difference. Being an anxious person is somehow an inherent thing for which you shall always be. You're not. You just have anxiety, something that you can give away or do away with. Does that make sense? Yes. It steals the agency and makes it a part of you rather than it being just a facet of something that you're dealing with right now. I think everybody has at some point in their life been depressed or anxious or whatever. Fill in the blank. That's a natural feeling. It's a natural feeling. But what is unnatural is to take that and to have that label and to carry it with you for months and years and the rest of your life. And never address it. That's when it becomes a chronic issue and part of your personality. Is your name David Cardinal by any chance? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It's just, it's just, that's, that's like I said, it's just, a, very similar. it's just a natural thing of, I probably read that. Who knows? <laughs> you probably did. I, probably read, I read a lot of David. Anyways, we have not talked about board games, but we have talked about a board game adjacent, which is people who out there who have board gamers, board gaming, and the way they can alleviate or enhance your anxiety right. depending on your viewpoint. You should enhance your own anxiety. All right. Well, you should face your own demons. You could do something dangerous. I don't want to. But you should. It'll be fun. That's the thing. <laughs> see, see, and and there and there's your first clue. Yeah. If you don't want to do it, then it's naturally something you should do. I'm going to go skydiving tomorrow. Uh, well, you, how about we tone it down just a little bit? This my last podcast. Uh, you're technically over the weight limit. They wouldn't let you. Oh, no. Uh, I actually looked that up. They skydive. They skydive. That's you? They did. They skydive really? in antlers. My parachute pops up and... They do. I, I was shocked. I was shocked to find that out. Like I was reading like the the release, and they're like, "You can't be above a certain weight." And I'm like, "Wow!" And the cutoff was the cutoff was not as much as you would think. I was like, "What? Wait a minute!" Like what? Uh, one eighty? No, it was no. It's more than that, but it was still kind of. I was like, I didn't realize this was. Huh. I guess you, you think Waitest. it's a canopy. Yeah. How dare they? No, huh. it's not right. All right. Well, I'm not going skydiving, apparently. But until next time. How about just not calling to make sure people get home? We'll we'll take baby steps. (laughs) You went for baby baby steps. steps. Let's try that. All right. I'll try it. Let's try that for a change. All right. Until the next time somebody calls me and lets me know they're home safe. Jerry, you're fixing to leave. Let me know when you get home and get safe. Morgan at gmail.com. This is Jerry. 
This is Gabby. I'm Dan Hughes. Thank you for tolerating this episode of the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy. Thank you.